of the UK and beyond, welcome to One Foot in the Podcast. This is episode two of series two titled We Have Put Her in the Living Tomb. Tried to look up the meaning of that title or where it originated. I thought it might be in a play on words with a famous film title or a um, a novel, but I couldn't really find anything. So if you do um, know the answer, do let me know. What I think I would start to do is rate uh, each episode. Well, not rate it myself. I, I, I rate them all as excellent. But I will think I'll go on the IMDb site and just read out the scores out of 10 that um, users have been given it. This one is a 7.9. Something I also haven't done before is uh, actually bother to read out a synopsis. So I think it might help set the scene for you all uh, a little better um, as I dissect each episode. The synopsis I'll read is IMDb's one. While beginning to organise their new house, the Meldrews are entrusted to look after Margaret's goddaughter's tortoise, who might be in danger when Victor decides to burn some garden rubbish. Slight hint of another disaster with a pet, which is another... Um, consistent feature of this great show. Before we uh, crack on, I had a, a minor bit of interaction with Mr Ricky Gervais. I know he's quite generous on Twitter with the tweets he um, likes, but if any of you are Afterlife fans, our very own Annette Crosby features in one of the very first scenes, I think the first scene of Afterlife Series 2, and I'm not giving anything away, but she plays uh, a 100-year-old a resident of a care home, a very grumpy... She actually made Victor Meldrew look like a nursery teacher compared to the character she portrays in Afterlife. But anyway, um, I just tweeted Mr Gervais my amazement at Annette Crosby's character's colourful language uh, and just to congratulate him on a great episode. And he um, was uh, very grateful. He seemed to like it within a, f- a few moments, so that's quite nice. Shame he didn't retweet it. Then more of you might get on the bandwagon of one for the podcast. But yeah, I was actually a sense of pride with um, seeing Annette Crosby in Afterlife. If they if he could have managed to get Richard Wilson on there as well, that would be double whammy in a positive way. But yeah, that was quite a nice bit of a One Foot in the Grave related news for you. Maybe that's another segment I should add, really. One Foot in the Grave related news, although there's going to be very little um, given their age. You know, in their le- mid to late 80s now. And not doing an awful lot between them, but... Um, I know that's quite. Uh, should have a, come up with a jingle for one from the grave related news. Actually, just on the spot there, I just I just wondered. I wonder what your thoughts would be if they ever carried out a prequel to one from the grave, ensuring David Renwick uh, wrote it, of course, entirely different cast. I wonder how that would fare. Whether it would work, I don't know. But I'm I'm a sucker for prequels, spin-offs, comebacks. Uh, just uh, just food for thought there. Anyway, I, I think I'm gonna. Get on with it before I send you all off to your own grave. The scene opens up. Margaret and Victor are decorating their new front living room. Margaret's up a stepladder, putting the uh, wallpaper up. Victor, meanwhile, straight in there on the telephone, uh, having a good old whinge at... Uh, it sounds like a dry cleaning company. In fact, it is a dry cleaning company. He's portraying that classic thing of you're trying to get through to the right person in a department when you need to make a complaint. That person keeps coming back to ask you know, repetitive questions and not quite listen to you the first time round. And it sounds like it's uh, actually quite a pointless moan from Victor. Usually I do um, side with him, but he's just calling to complain about the label they've left on his uh, newly cleaned trousers. They've just... 
um, commented the type of dirt they found on the, on there or something. It seems like pointless feedback to me, but he just got himself in the right state. As they just finished off the decorator, Margaret um, asks Victor how much his decorated friend had quoted throughout their living room. 150 quid, uh, Victor quotes. And Margaret mentions that's nearly £90 they've saved on doing the job themselves. Victor makes uh, an idle comment that three people have challenged him on, on the, the smell radiating from his body. And he's put on some TCP, which if you're unfamiliar with TCP, I'm sure you are, it's an antiseptic liquid. In some cases, it can be consumed. And if you are Donald Trump uh, listening to this, that is actually possible. Um, but very, very small amounts, uh, whether you inject it is another matter. But yeah, um, the, the TCP reference is going to be brought up a few times throughout the episode. Something that will come back to haunt Victor. After the brief moan from uh, Victor, Margaret uh, identifies a, a rather large uh, like portrait book. Um, I don't know what's in it. She just says, is this the book for the spare bedroom? I at first thought it was like a big book with different types of paint you could choose to decorate your room because they're implying that they're still decorating each of the rooms. She opens this large book and there's a little note inside. And the note is from a woman who uh, works in a hardware shop uh, that they know of. And it's to do with her husband who's gassed himself and Margaret casually mentions that to Victor. And his suicide note is in the catalogue. Just more classicness from One from the Grave, just that casual thing of finding a suicide note in an unrelated book. Um, and it's quite a heartless thing to have done by this lady who's just casually left it on the side and it's slipped inside a book. And it's uh, Victor and Margaret are the ones who obviously uh, encounter it. And it just adds to the peculiarity of this show. It's just absolutely marvellous. Great blend there. What's that? Have you seen what this is written on the back of? What are you talking about? That woman who works in the hardware shop. It was her husband, wasn't it, who stuck his head in the oven and gassed himself. <laughs> this is his suicide note. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Just as if she'd be so insensitive to jot the price of a pot of paint down on the back of her own husband's suicide note. By the time you read this, I will be dead. <laughs> My life has become such a gutted shell, I have decided to snuff out my worthless existence once and for all. Farewell forever, Matilda. I go now to my grave. Dulux satin eggshell. <laughs> $5.95 a litre. God, you're right. You'd think she'd have shown a bit more respect. That's absolutely disgraceful. What must their marriage have been like? It's only $4.95 a litre at B&Q. <laughs> anyway. Just hilarious. And, you know, when you think about it, quite sad as well. Obviously, you heard the clip there. Victor is just as dumbfounded that she quoted just as much for a, a pot of paint just brilliant however victor was well i don't think he's being sarcastic or um jokey he was he was quite serious but uh his mind drifted off elsewhere with the uh, money the scene ends there and we're now at um one of margaret uh, it's either margaret or victor's niece uh jennifer the way margaret talks about it would imply it's her own niece this lady is played by sarah mortimer 
Um, she hasn't done too much in her career. She's been in a few British shows. I think the Bill I might have seen. But she is plays a relatively prominent role in this episode. She's shown Victor and Margaret some family footage, which we obviously don't see for ourselves. There's a couple of bottles of uh, wine on the table. Victor is fallen asleep. There's some holiday footage that they've been shown. Now, as Victor's asleep, um, this Jennifer clearly spots this and you know says, oh, "I hope I'm not boring Victor." Hope you're not boring Victor. <laughs> Watch out! He's got the pastry. He's got a pastry. <laughs> what the hell? And Victor is uh, starts the dream uh, out loud, and he's he's talking in his sleep. And this is quite if for for the cult fans of this show, this is a relatively this is almost catchphrase worthy. But he repeatedly throughout this episode says something along the lines of "Watch out! He's got the pastry," and we never find out what he means by that or what he's, he doesn't even know but he's, he's quite comic, comically delivered by Richard Wilson and he's watch out he's got the pastry and it's his um, I think it's his, his strong sort of relative, posh Scottish accent and that makes it in most of his lines to be honest with you but we don't actually see it in the original shot or it's not that clear but he's got a, a tortoise um, sleeping on his lap as well which ironically I've seen this episode several times. It only occurred to me, occurred to me when I did the rewatch that it's, of course, in re- very much relates to the intro to One Foot in the Grave with the slow-moving uh, tortoise. My uh, gran used to say they purely had that in the intro because it looks like Richard Wilson, and I've always believed that. I don't know if it's true. I think it's just. Um, I think that's probably obvious to say now. Uh, slow-moving pet. Uh, who seems to live forever, looks miserable. Uh, is that supposed to relate to Richard Wilson's character? Probably. Um, but yeah, anyway, they going off on a complete tangent now. Anyway, Victor wakes up. He's shocked to see the tortoise on his lap and um, comes up with a quite a funny line, thinking he had a hernia for a minute. Now, Jennifer goes to uh, switch the video cassette tapes and she wants to show him yet more, more family footage. And it's getting on for 11pm um, at this point. She makes a comment that she can smell TCP. This is the first time uh, we see someone mention that they can smell this from... Not they don't know it's from Victor, but they just think it's they can smell it. More of that to come throughout the episode, uh, for sure. But she is about to change the cassette tape and asks uh, Margaret to pass her the one nearest to her. And says, is it a two hour or a three hour? Margaret nervously laughs and says, oh, it's, uh, it's a three hour. And it's that thing where um, it doesn't it doesn't happen anymore, I don't think. In the time before uh, taking pictures on your phone, the people used to, you know, do it the old-fashioned way and get photos printed off at Boots or wherever, and then you'd go through every single photo with your family or your friends, and the only people that truly are interested is the person showing you. And this is the same case with them showing a video, the family footage, and now they're about to show Victor Mark for some strange reason, her daughter's birth as i watch in some footage of the um birth uh, jennifer completely oblivious to the fact they just don't want to watch this because they who does and she um asks if they want some more wine and victor says no have you got any alka-seltzer quite a funny visual uh, there's a old little old lady who is in the i assume a dining room of sorts looking through the translucent windows for, obviously almost french window like porch doors 
and Victor and Margaret have just only just spotted this from our point of view and it's apparently it's Jennifer's auntie Norma and uh, she doesn't think they can see her but she just gets uh, nervous about of visitors and she's just staring um, through the window at them very very odd if you're Victor and Marjorie or anyone any guest but it is funny all the same scene ends there and uh, the Meldries are back at the house it must be gone midnight Victor comments that he feels quite awake uh, doesn't feel like he needs to go to bed and Margaret said well you were asleep for half the night so of course you're not going to but the purpose of their visit is because they've been asked to pet sit the tortoise who's called Kylie as Victor and Margaret um, head off into the living room were met with that kind of um, horrific reveal type jingle or music uh, which is very 90s, but very one foot in the grave, because it happens throughout. And they turn on the lights, and all of their wallpaper uh, has been stripped off, and it looks like absolute hell in there. And it's revealed that Victor didn't actually get the message across to his decorator friend to cancel his um, appointment. So the decorator guy's he's popped round earlier than expected, ahead of the, his Monday uh, visit, which was planned, and he is taking down every single bit of the wallpaper, well, practically, and it looks an absolute state. You didn't speak to him, direct. What? Well, I didn't have his address. I didn't know where to get hold of. <laughs> have his address? Why didn't you try Dodge City? That's where all the other cowboys live, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't believe you. Five days it took to put this up. Turns out it cost them £12.50 a roll, so back to square one, and undoubtedly they'll be spend, spending more money to get that fixed. Following day, Victor and Margaret in the kitchen, uh, going about their daily business. Kylie the tortoise has gone missing. Victor goes off to a little wander into the garden, and he's, he leads, well, he's led to the back gate onto the back street road, and we see the white lines of the road newly painted and it's victor we see victor's reaction before we see where the tortoise is and poor old kylie has been run over but is a, very much alive has a white uh print over its shell and the two guys painting the road the white lines in the road uh very cruelly um how ridiculous it is but very a very neat white line over her shell and victor calls out Quite rightly as well. But thankfully, all is safe for now with Kylie. Ah, oh, morning, Mrs. Warboys. Morning, Mr. Meldrew. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Have you been using TCP? <laughs> yeah. Jean Warboys has turned up. Moments before there, she turned up, some flowers had arrived, and it transpires that it's Victor and Margaret's wedding anniversary. Don't know how long they've been married for at this point um, but it's cause for celebration uh, they've been given tickets to see Les Miserables uh, as donated to by her her niece Jennifer anyway Mrs Warboys goes off to the bathroom and she comes back with a bottle of hair tonic and she asks if she can uh, borrow it uh, as it, it will come in handy for her husband Chris um, incidentally who we never actually meet I think she, she's mentioned Chris before 
hilarious comedy reveal occurs uh, uh, shortly later she as mrs warboys leaves victor has apparently been to the doctors for assumedly a, a problem relating to the, whatever he's putting tcp on his body for and the doctors had asked him to bring a, a urine sample which victor had forgotten well anyway victor says he was waiting at the hospital for an hour and a half and, and he used a bit of cockney rhyming slang he says i was hanging around like a toby jug which i assume mug when he realised he'd forgotten his um, bottle of urine sample. And he said, after all the trouble, I went sterilising that old hair tonic bottle. And of course, Margaret's realisation is just perfection because Jean is giving that to her husband as we, we speak at this point. And you can only imagine uh, <laughs> probably why we don't, we certainly don't see Chris again because uh, I'm pretty sure they break up later on in the series. So this must be just one of many things that poor old Jean's got herself into without it being her fault. Victor and Margaret are in the garden there. Uh, they've done a bit of um, mowing by the looks of it. Victor's gathered up the loose grass shavings into a metal uh, bin and he's pouring fuel, uh, petrol all over it. You just know what's coming because Margaret's just trying to find Kylie the tortoise. Is it tortoise? Tortoise? Anyway, she's trying to find her and she looks deep into the, just with not with her hands obviously, into the grass bin and unfortunately poor old Kylie has been burnt alive, another another one gone in the One Foot in the Grave series and just as Victor has scooped the uh, tortoise with a spade, uh, a sky salesman turns up, just lets himself in to the back of uh, the garden. Morning sir, Mr Meldrew is it? I hope it's a convenient moment. Uh, my name's Barney. I wonder if I might just ask you a few questions on the subject of satellite television. There's no obligation to buy. Does it look like a bloody convenient moment? <laughs> I won't give you a And Victor quite rightly says, does this look like a convenient moment? This poor tortoise is smouldering alive and he's just trying to sell a sky satellite. Renwick's obviously done that on purpose just to show the irritating nature of a, of a salesman at your door. Uh, absolutely relentless uh, Margaret is, is squirting Kylie the tortoise with hose pipe and she ends up hosing him down which is probably the best thing all round later that night Victor and Margaret feeling obviously quite guilty about the situation quite an interesting comparison of mindset as Margaret wants to replace Kylie the tortoise with an identical one Victor's morals very much different and that he should just tell the truth and they would notice the difference anyway. Just don't even go there. He's trying to get to sleep at this point, and Margaret's still trying to persuade him, sort of under her breath, you know, saying, oh, you know, maybe I could at least try, you know, see what the difference is. And Victor very sort of slowly says, I said no. I said no. And you think he's going to have a go again, but he's actually already dreaming, and he once again mentions a pastry in his sleep. <laughs> pastry. God's sake, shut up. What's the matter? Will you stop going on about that bloody pastry every time you fall asleep? Absolute mystery. I'd love to know what what he's dreaming about. Obviously, pastry aside, what it means. I don't know if he, uh, you guys can help me with that one, but she <laughs> says, I wish you stopped going on that bloody pastry. Incidentally, Margaret says to Victor, what are we going to say? It was just an accident. And Victor replies with a... No, I say we fancy some tortoise tikka kebab. <laughs> Barbecue. Delivered brilliantly as ever by Victor. I said 
no, keep her away from me. Right? Pastry. Come on, pastry. The next day, Victor and Margaret in the kitchen. Margaret's popping out to buy something, uh, well, buy something for herself, a, a dress for the Les Miserables show that they're going to watch that day. Victor is sterilising a bottle to for a second time lucky um, so he can send his urine sample off to the hospital. And they reference that, well, Victor says, uh, apologise to Mrs. Warboys for me for what happened to her husband's hair. Um, I think it would have been funny if they didn't mention that at all, just just leave it to the imagination that they never told her. It's almost like it didn't need to be said, but anyway, still funny. A couple of short scenes, we see um, Victor make the call to Jennifer, just to say, to just give the honest uh, reason why she, they can't return Kylie in her normal function itself. And we see Vic, uh, sorry Margaret come back with Mrs. Warboys, they've just been in the, into town, and she's just casually picked up a brand new tortoise. Now this is where the comedy is absolute gold. She's gone round to her niece's house, Jennifer, uh, to return the tortoise. Uh, Margaret's putting on a false smile and saying everything's fine. Here's your uh, tortoise, uh, including the little girl, the daughter of Jennifer, saying it'd be nice to play with her again. And bear in mind the. Jennifer's just had the phone call from Victor and she's thinking Margaret's been a bit odd at this point because she's encouraging her daughter to go out and play with a dead tortoise and that scene ends there. And the poor tragic thing is that's the second tortoise that's died in this episode because of course they bury who they think is Kylie, bury the poor thing alive and that's the last we see of Jennifer um, and certainly the second tortoise. Gene Warboys and Margaret, they ride back um, home uh, Margaret asks Jean just to let herself in while she goes off to post something. Jean walks in the house and she finds Victor strolled on the sofa. Um, she might note at this point that he's got uh, an empty packet of pills that he's used for to put his... Well, he had used to put his urine sample in, but he, he's waiting to go to the toilet. And he's fallen asleep on the sofa with the empty packet of pills next to him. And... The large book, which we saw in the first scene with the suicide note, is also uh, conveniently placed near him. By the time you read this, I will be dead. My life has become such a gutted shell, I've decided to stuff out my worthless existence once and for all for a... Oh, my God! What have you done? Oh! course this is another hilarious mix-up because Mrs Warboys thinks Victor's done himself in and she um, is manically trying to keep him alive she's forced her fingers down his throat and so he can throw up whatever she thinks he's consumed Margaret comes in thinking what on earth's going on here Victor's um, got his arms around both uh, Margaret and Jean while they uh, pace up and down just to keep him um, alive and of course the penny drops from Margaret and all is okay. Poor old Victor's um, out of breath and wondering what the hell's going on. Um, but yeah, just absolute magic stuff there. Perfect mix-up. A, a good comedy should always have these. Not to see coming a mile off as such, because that would be predictable, but when you know it's about to happen in that instant, oh, it just works so well. And it always happens to, apart from Victor, always happens to Mrs Warboys. Margaret, although she was involved in the... Tortoise mix-up, it's 
it, that, that's quite a rare thing to happen for her to be on the receiving end of being a little um, vulnerable. But yeah, yeah, I just thought it was excellent. Two brilliant cock-ups and intentional mix-ups between characters and what they think has happened, hasn't. And that brings us to Victor and Margaret. It's the same day, it's evening time there. They're sat in the car park in chairs and we're wondering what's going on. Wait, well, they're waiting for their car to be found they've just lost it. And the car park attendant is doing his best to try and find their missing car. The miserable people, right? I presume so, yes. Brilliant show. Absolutely brilliant. So I'm told by people who have actually seen it. You checked the date as well as me. June the 16th. So, I suppose we should look on the bright side. The seats were very comfortable. For the three and a half minutes we were sitting in them. And we did manage to get there early. One year early. <laughs> yes. That's what I wasn't expecting. That certainly was a corker, that one. The tickets being for June the 16th next year. During this time, it's established that they've they got the wrong date. We established from Victor that, yeah, they enjoyed the show for the whole three minutes they were there, at Limited Arb, and they even got there early, uh, followed by a whole year early. I think that is quite realistic. I think that has happened to some people before, you know, buying tickets for shows quite often. There's, I, I brought a show, so I brought tickets to see John Cleese live a good few years ago in Bristol. And I think it was a good 13 months in advance that they went on sale and I purchased them that, that far in advance. So it, I think it is easily done, especially they're given to you as a present and you've not really clocked the date on them, or the, the year anyway. The car park attendant comes back to Victor and says, this is your car, and, and it certainly is not, according to Victor. And the guy says... Registration? C65 GTB. That's not my car. That's the number you just told me. It certainly is not. And mine must have been on something else. And the, the camera pans to the number plate, which has got TCP in the uh, registration, which um, that's happened throughout the episode only put in there for just to irritate victor as character i think nothing more i don't think it, it was entirely needed apart from that visual gag at the end with the number plate but yeah that brings us to the end of the episode i don't think that was that's not one of the better uh one from the grave episodes i much preferred the first episode of the series from last week's podcast. But, you know, it's still entertaining. I think the two cock-ups with the tortoise and the hair tonic with the, uh, Victor's piss in really help string the episode along nicely um, in the background, that is, even though the, the, the hair tonic thing was quite minor. Um, so not a huge plot. I think it was just... It's moving on along nicely. A bit of con consistency because... They've more than settled into their home now. They're getting it decorated. Uh, and next episode brings us the episode Dramatic Fever, where it's completely unrelated to house moves or, or decorating. And we'll start to get sort of knee-deep into uh, the shenanigans that Victor faces. But yeah, I, I'm, as ever, I still enjoy reviewing the episode. And please, please, um, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review... 
Um, whether you do that through Apple iTunes or any other platform on Android, it does help get the podcast not- uh, noticed. I've got uh, a very small following, but I'm very grateful for the for those of uh, you that are loyal enough to listen every week uh, to just my voice. Um, but I do welcome uh, any involvement if you'd like to email one foot in the podcast at gmail.com go ahead um, i'm on twitter i'm trying to keep that quite lively i'm tweet most days uh you can find me at one foot in the pod there is a facebook group out there somewhere but i've barely touched it but yeah thank you so much for listening um i do this every week i'm about to end the uh podcast when i realize i've got a another segment i haven't even gone into yet the meldrew moan corner let's have meldrew moan corner This week's moan, I'm going to whinge about people who are posting on their social medias snapshots of their video calling shenanigans with their friends and family. Guess what? I don't care. I don't care that you did a quiz. No one cares apart from those involved. Um, believe it or not, everyone else is doing it as well. I'm having video calls with friends and family and they're, they're great fun. Quizzes, general chit chat. Uh, but to send a screenshot every time you do it um, gets boring. Yes, I could avoid seeing them. Um, Instagram stories, if you have Instagram, um, you, you never know what's coming up next. You can't really properly preview it. Uh, so I do come across it obviously pretty much every day. People's uh, screenshots of their video call, with whether it's Zoom or whatever. I think I've already whinged about those who are showing us their great fitness f- fanatic lifestyles, although that seems to have died down like a lot of fads. I'm not seeing that nearly half as much. I'm not seeing the name Joe Bloody Wicks come up every four minutes. And quite, quite uh, well, likewise, I'm probably not going to see screenshots of Zoom chats um, because people get bored, which is part of the irritation for me. I, I'd rather someone always posted, ironically, um, their fitness fanatic uh, schedule or their Zoom chat because at least they're consistent and it's meaningful for them and they're sincere with it because they just want to show people that they're happy. But <clears throat> you just know there's going to be something new to um, bandwagon and jump on the next time. I don't know if I was to guess what that would be next. It's probably going to be something like haircuts. That's what it's going to be. Um, if not already, people's homemade haircuts. So keep an eye out for that. I could just avoid it, but I'm I'm a hypocrite at the end of the day, and that's the bottom line. Oh, I do not believe. Will you look at this, bastards? Can you believe the nerve of this? A skin their ruddy height for them. So that's my Meldrew moan. Thanks again for downloading. It really it does go appreciated. I, I get small numbers, but actually in a in a funny sort of way knowing that i get small numbers does bring me down i'm actually grateful for those few loyal listeners i'm not going to say no to a lot more listeners of course because i want one foot in the grave to be spoken of in the same light still as your only fools and horses as the office as blackadder because it does not get the credit it deserves in my view it's it's still 
goes under the radar. It's stuck in that 90s bubble, if you like. People just look back and go, oh, yeah, it's about those two old people. One of them moans a lot. But it's comedy gold. It's up there with the greats. I think it was in the top 10 uh, 2004 sitcom, uh, sorry, Britain's best sitcom 2004. Yeah, just had a look now. And it came 10th. Just to remind you, incidentally, that 2004 vote, Fools and Horses came first, Black Adder second, Vicar Dibley third, Dad's Army fourth, Forty Towers fifth, Yes Minister sixth, Porridge seventh, Open All Hours eighth, The Good Life ninth, and One Foot in the Grave tenth. There has been other polls since then, but I think that, that was considered at the time the biggest poll they'd ever produced because of the, the number of votes they received. Would it be the same now? I think. Fools and Horses would still be number one. It, it would still be my number one, I've got to admit. But One Foot in the Grave would be higher up that list for sure. Just for the record, I don't think Open All Hours and The Good Life deserve to be in that top ten, although I've got great respect for the both these comedies. So the point is, it is a huge sitcom and I want more people to talk about it and do rewatches and get involved. I've, I've, people still use the... Uh, catchphrase in the in a roundabout way they still refer to someone who's been miserable as a victor meldrew even though that's a bit of a misconception because he he's miserable for the right reasons he's not just been a total grump generally speaking so yeah that's my mission i think so thanks to those few listeners that do download but let's try and spread the listenership far and wide just mention it to friends family if they're, especially during lockdown, when there's more than ever, there's time on people's hands. People have got smartphones. They've got podcast facilities on their uh, handset. So see what they think. I'm not saying this is the greatest tribute ever. It, I, I say it's pretty much every episode. I'm, uh, I know I sound like a broken record, but it's uh, not the easiest thing to do talking to yourself. Uh, if I had someone with me to do uh, this show, it would be a lot better. I can, I am, I'm sure it would be. Um, I, like I said, I've got People I know who do like what from the grave, but not, not as much as me right now. Anyway, uh, thank you once again. Uh, take good care of yourselves, and I shall uh, hear from you for the next episode, episode three, Dramatic Fever. Cheers. One foot in the grave.